I can remember one sitting there one day and you were telling your story and I was just like, wow, you know, um, it's an epic tale of like fly in the face of adversity, suck it up, buttercup, and then learn that actually, you know, think that actually you, you weren't necessarily doing anything wrong and then find out you weren't doing something wrong. And then, oh my, you know, and you know, people don't sometimes go, people go through life never having to experience that. Um, you know, that, so it's kind of, there's, there's, there, for me, listening to the story, it felt like I was, you know, I was listening to something that dealt with lots of shock and awe. Um, and then, oh, so overcoming and becoming in the truest sense of the word to become um, one of my favorite people that's here in front of me now. Um, would you mind just telling us a, a, a a little bit about the story. Obviously, it's much detailed as you'd like to. Um, so that, because I think there's some amazing, valuable lessons in there for everybody. Oh, 100%. And it's something that when, even when I teach and when I train in NLP, I'm very passionate about embracing your story. Everyone has a story. The, the secret is figuring it out, figuring out how to weaponize it to create the life you want. Because everything like you've that. done throughout, everything you've done throughout your life mm. has the potential to, you know, be the scaffolding to create something amazing for your future. And that's that's what I believe that I have done and continue to do. And so, you know, when I look back on my past, uh, I have no idea who my father is to this day. Still don't know. I have visions, you know. And the father that was chosen for me ended up being, you know, quite a um, unwell person himself. And so from a very young age, I grew up in an environment where um, I was the sexual partner of my stepfather and the punching bag for my mother, who was also mentally unwell. And so I was caught in this sort of weird paradigm of, who am I? What am I here for? Where do I belong? And um, unfortunately, my mum got cancer when I was uh, quite young, about 19, I was about 11, I think, and she got cancer. Back in those days, it was not the, the wonderful sort of medical advances that there are today. It was, kind, was, of a new, it was kind of a new illness then, right? It was, and it, it meant a long stay you know, mm. in hospital. And so myself and, and my little brother, who we had at the time, who was only not even two, we were put into foster care. And, you know, I think I, I went through this stage where I thought, yes, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> it was quite, I was quite excited about it. And then only to find that my brother being so young, he was adored. I being a damaged 11-year-old, uh, was not so adored, and so the abuse continued even in foster care, and on both sides of that spectrum too, sexually and physically. Eventually, then, I, when I did get back to my parents, it was a bit of a oh, so that's what it's like everywhere. That is what I was meant to do. That is my life. Okay, all right, cool. And I so so that had become your belief structure exactly that's where i formed that belief that mm. my job on this earth my purpose was to uh be there sexually for men 
and be be there physically for women. Mm. Women will beat me and men will have sex with me. That was, that was my belief, age 11, you know. So uh, eventually, though, I did um, by the age of 13, you know, I, I always believe, Adam, that there was a part of me that even though I believed that, I was determined to test the theory. Are you sure that's what I'm here for? And so I was constantly looking to buck that belief. And so at age 13, I decided, well, I don't have to stay at home and put up with this. You know, it was quite a daily occurrence. So I left home and I became a street kid and lived on the the streets and got taken in by some really lovely ladies who uh, started feeding me. Again, back to the cat reference, Adam. Began feeding the stray cat that would come to their back door, and little did I know that they were actually madams. So uh, therein began my entry into prostitution. And it was at that point again where I sort of thought, okay, well, I thought I'd test the theory. Here I am, 13, and I'm still getting used for sex. What there's a you know, there's a pattern here, and uh. It was very lucrative for the ladies that looked after me because I was 13, I was very in demand, I was a beautiful young thing. You so, thank you so much. Yeah, so they made a lot of money. I, at the time, made a lot of money. And um, it's also around that time that I really started looking around me and realising that the way other women got through this was uh, to self-medicate with whatever would numb any kind of emotional response. Mm. At the time, what I saw was if you drink or do drugs, at least you don't feel shit. And so that's also, you know, cliche, that's that's the road I went down. Right. And um, I did I did attempt to get out of that line of work a few times and I went I got into banking. I got a little apprenticeship as a bank in a bank. And uh as would have it, the manager of the bank walked into my brothel one day and saw me because I was still working at night uh, at the brothel and during the day at the bank. And he walked in and saw me. So what what ensued from then was a bank manager saying, "No, you can keep your job as long as I get free service. No one has to know a thing." So you see how the labels keep sort of compounding. Of yeah. what I believed was my life, and, just how, and how the world worked. That's exactly right. You know, that's how I saw the world. Mm. Uh, I, I ended up meeting my first uh, sort of uh, relationship, I suppose. You know, important relationship. And he worked at the bank, and I thought, okay, this is going to be great. What I do is I just tell him, you know, everything I'm doing. And he will save me. He will rescue me. And I'll be okay. Instead, he said, wow, you're a real good little money earner. You keep doing that. I'll buy you really nice looking lingerie because that's going to get even more money for us. So instead of being protected, I simply employed another pimp, didn't I, to be honest? That's what happened. So um, I'm... Fortunately, I will say fortunately, 
I actually fell pregnant to, to that man and had the first of my three amazing children. I mean, in between all of that, in and out of those sorts of things, I, um, I did try other sort of types of work and I, I jumped around trying to find who I was and what I was good at, what I could do. Because surely the only thing that I'm good at isn't just sex. Surely there's something else, you know. And um, and in the meantime, I'd uh, I'd got in trouble with the law as well because uh, whilst living on the streets, I used to steal quite a bit to to feed myself and to get by, and that had caught up with me. So I had to go to uh, court and answer for that as well so I I took on the label of criminal as well and thief I I really didn't consider myself to have any label worth worth anything I was the collector of the shitty labels you know that's what I was yeah 